Praise God. Thank you for starting our service with that prelude this morning, Sharon. Good morning and welcome to our service here at First Church of New Knoxville. Um, We're glad that you're able to join us on Facebook and the radio this morning. I just want to give a quick update as to uh, why we are having our services online this morning and not in person. Uh, Last week, uh, a couple members of our church, uh, this past week, I should say, a couple members of our church tested positive uh, for COVID-19. They were in the service last week. They were wearing masks, thankfully. Um, And so out of an abundance of caution, uh, we decided it was best to to pause our in-person worship services for this week um, to hopefully see where this goes and hopefully uh, prevent coronavirus from spreading any further in our church congregation. Uh, We do plan to resume our in-person services again next Sunday, October 18th, um, as long as it is safe and responsible to do so. And that is, of course, our hope and our prayer. Uh, So as I share that this morning, I just want to remind you to be praying for those not only in our church family, um, but also around the New Knoxville community, in the state of Ohio, in our nation, in our world. Be praying for those who do have uh, COVID-19. Pray for health, pray for recovery, and pray pray that the symptoms would be non-existent or mild if they are. And Lord, we, and, and we also want to ask the Lord to uh, to be with those who are um, struggling with us at this time, not only physically, but also emotionally and spiritually as well. Um, so that is where we're at this morning. And we're so glad, though, that we have the technology to to worship together still. Um, we didn't definitely it was hoping not to have to go through this again like we did back in March and April and May. But here we are. And that's OK, um, because God is still good. God is still in control and we can continue to worship together uh, via the technology that he has blessed us with. So um, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you are worshiping with us this morning. For those of you who are watching on Facebook or listening on the radio, uh, our bulletin is available on our website, firstchurchnk.org. Uh, Not only does it have our scripture readings, like our call to worship and our scripture reading for our sermon, but it also has the lyrics to the music that we'll be singing together this morning. So if you'd like to join us in worship and by singing our praises to the Lord together, you can find the bulletin online at firstchurchnk.org. Later this week on Friday, October 16th, the American Red Cross will be using our ministry center for the blood mobile as they have been doing throughout this pandemic. I encourage you if you have uh, to be a part of that, if you are able to be a part of it. Uh, so I want to just remind you as, as we progress through this week, I encourage you to be tuning into Facebook and our church website um, and, and be, be hearing about updates about how we will be progressing forward this week. At this time, I want to encourage you now to... Uh, Hear our call to worship, which comes from Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him with the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is, the, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do, no king is saved by the size of his army, no warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance, despite all its great strength that cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. 
And we can put our hope in the Lord by praising him, even during difficult times. So I encourage you now, if you're able to sing with us, even if you are home alone, uh, you're with your family, uh, it's always good to praise God together. Let's sing Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. Thank you, Sharon. This time I want to invite forward Maria Lammers. She's here to share a children's chat message with you this morning. Good morning. All right. So I've been really had a crazy weekend. And in order to get everything thought about that I needed to do, I made a list. Have you guys ever made a list? Maybe it's just us people who are getting older that need lists. I don't know. But it seems to me that lists are becoming more and more important in my life. Yep, got to have a list. How many of you guys write a list? Well, 
when my kids were little, there were two kinds of lists. There was their birthday wish list, and there was their Christmas wish list. So they didn't worry about a to-do list like some of us grown-ups have to do, but they did worry about their other lists. So we're not going to worry about my to-do list anymore. But let's take a look. I wrote a short Christmas wish list, fuzzy blanket. You might have on it a bike or a toy or whatever. But we need to remember, and it, today we're going to talk about the 23rd Psalm, okay? And these lists kind of re- go along with that if you just listen. So I had a fuzzy warm blanket as my number one thing on my Christmas wish list. And it sounds nice and comfy, but a new toy to play with when I'm bored or a new bike, these are things that I want, okay? Maybe I need the fuzzy warm blanket to stay warm, but the other things are kind of a want. Chapter 20, Psalm 23 says, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I shall not be in want? Did you hear that? The Bible tells us that with the Lord as our shepherd, we will have everything we need or want. That's right. We've got to remember the difference between needs and wants. It continues on and it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He comforts me. My cup overflows. So that means instead of a fuzzy warm blanket, I have God to comfort me. And when my soul, when I get restless and I don't know what I want and I feel bored, God is with me. He restores my soul. When I feel like I don't have enough, that I always want more, more, God will show me that he has my cup overflowing. And that is amazing. So, after I read Psalm 23 this morning, I made a new list. Here's my new list. I have one thing on my list, and that is Jesus. Because I know that even though I see fun in toys and games and comfy blankets, the only thing I really want or need is Jesus in my life. So, I think I'm going to put this up on my refrigerator to remind me that all I really want or need in my life is Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to worship today. Help us to remember that you are all we need. We don't need a lot of other things, but we do need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Maria, for that message. I'm always amazed at how the, the children's chat leaders that, that share with us week in and week out do such a great job at, at getting to the heart of the messages that, that I had prepared uh, for the morning. And so this is another great example of, of the, the children's chat just lining up perfectly with, with that, the heart of the message of Psalm 23. So thank you for sharing that, Maria, and it's good encouragement for us all. Not to mention on days like this, you know, having a nice, warm, cozy, fuzzy blanket is a, is a little bit of comfort, isn't it? So it's a great, great image there. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer now. And as we do so, again, I want to encourage you to be praying for those in our church family, in the New Knoxville community, around our nation, and around our world who have been impacted by COVID-19. Across our world, we have now seen over 1 million, in fact, 1,067,000 individuals who have died as a result of COVID-19. The United States alone has seen over 213,000. So please not only pray for those who have been infected, pray for their healing and recovery, but also pray for their, uh, pray for the comfort and strength for the families who have lost loved ones as a result of this pandemic. Of course, there's other names and, and families represented in our bulletin and the prayer list. Again, that is available online on our website, firstchurchnk.org. I encourage you to, to log on, to take a look at that. Uh, and if you're able to, to save that or print it off, I encourage you to take that prayer list and be praying for those individuals throughout the week. 
You know, we may not always know exactly what is going on in a person's life, but we know that the Lord does. And we know that the Lord is with them every step of the way. And so our prayer, even if we don't know how to pray, we know that the Lord is aware of the situation and can be praying, uh, can be can be with those people. I also want to encourage you to be praying for a couple other ministries as well. Uh, Operation Christmas Child continues to to, to progress this fall, and I want to encourage you to be praying for that ministry and praying how you can continue to be involved. I also want you to be praying for the Gideons of Allglaze County. They are the focus of our offering this morning. So if you are able to give online or give towards that offering in the office throughout the week, then you can um, you can uh, do so, and that will go to support Gideons of Allglaze County. Let's take a moment and let's pray together now. Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, this is the day that you have made, and so we rejoice and we are glad in it. This day is not exactly like we have planned or would have expected, but you are still God and you are still good, and so we put our trust in you. We pray especially this day for those who have been infected with COVID-19. We pray for healing, complete recovery, Lord, but we pray also not only for physical strength and physical healing, but for emotional and spiritual encouragement as well. Not only does this disease have physical um, symptoms, Lord, but there's also the, the emotional, uh, emotional baggage that goes with it of being isolated from family and friends, of not being able to go to work or, or visit people. Um, Lord, that, that is a very real and serious uh, aspect of this disease as well. So we pray for physical healing, but we also pray for spiritual and emotional encouragement too and strength for those who are apart from loved ones at this time. Lord, we pray for the the ministries I just mentioned. We pray for Operation Christmas Child that you would continue to provide not only for us here as a church, but also the many, many other churches and organizations who are supporting that at this time. And we pray that many boxes would be packed and those boxes would be a blessing to those who receive them. We also pray for Gideons of Oglase County and the ministry that they do and the, the importance of they have of, of getting God's word into the hands of people who need it. And so, Lord, we pray that, that your word would go forth boldly from that organization, that the Bibles that they place uh, and the impact that they have would be, uh, would be great and would bring honor and glory to you, and that many people would come to know you as a result of their ministry. And so, Lord, we also lift up the concerns that are represented in our prayer list, as, all, as well as our own individual burdens we may be carrying in with us now. Lord God, you are our good shepherd. You guide us along paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And we are so grateful that we have a God who not only hears our prayers, but is able to do something about it. And so we lift all of these things up to you. We lay these burdens at the foot of your cross, and we ask that your will would be done in each of these situations. Lord, don't act according to our will, but act according to yours. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Again, if you are able to join us as we sing our praises to the Lord this morning, our next song is a, is a very important and well-known hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Let's sing about the faithfulness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sharon. Our scripture reading today is from Psalm 23. Maria is going to read that for us this morning. All right, now for the familiar words of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of darkness, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thanks, Maria. I told her before the service started this morning that we'd be reading Psalm 23, and so many of us are used to the the King James words. And I told her if she slips into that, there's not a problem with that. But I see you kind of you stuck with it for the most part here, and that's great. That's not a, either one, of course, is is fine. Uh, but words uh, like Psalm 23, like the Lord's Prayer, uh, we're so often used to hearing them in that. Um, familiar language of the King James Version, and either translation is is perfect for today. So if you do have your Bibles with you, um, I encourage you to open them up as we study God's Word together. Uh, we are going to be looking at Psalm 23, um, looking at it throughout all six verses, um, but we'll also be looking at some other scripture passages as well. So I encourage you to follow along here this morning. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, that we can gather as your people, virtually, if nothing else, Lord, to, to study your word, to sing your praises, and to lift up our prayers to you. Lord, thank you that we can turn to you at times like this, that you have a word for us even now from, and promises that can encourage us and strengthen us. And so as we turn to your word now, I pray your spirit would guide us, uh, that you would open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us this day. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we're going to be changing gears a little bit, as you, as you, I know by now have figured out. Uh, we're going to be taking a, a break from our study in the Book of Proverbs for at least this week. Uh, we, I felt like I didn't want to just stand here and talk to you about uh, wealth and wisdom and talk about how to use finances appropriately, as if you know nothing was amiss here this morning. So we'll be back to that idea. We'll be back to the book of Proverbs. But for now, I wanted to take a detour back one book of the Bible to the book of Psalms and look at a very familiar passage. As I was trying to decide on Friday afternoon what to share with you this morning, I started to flip through some of my old sermons and the files I had saved on my computer. And I realized something kind of strange that in my four plus years here, I have never actually preached directly on Psalm 23. It has come up a lot, of course, as it often does in preaching because it is so so valuable and, and has so much to teach us. But I've never actually taken the time to dedicate a whole sermon to Psalm 23. And so that's what I want to do here today. And the reason for that is, is that I want to offer a little bit of encouragement to you, to myself, to anyone who may be listening on the radio. Uh, many of you are probably disappointed and discouraged. Right, 15 days to flatten the curve has turned into more than 150 and counting around our country. And we're still here. Right? The virus hasn't gone away. In fact, cases have been rising here in Ohio and around the country. Now, let me be clear here, though. When I say that I'm disappointed, when I say that I'm discouraged, I'm, of course, not upset at individuals who contract COVID-19 because that's just absurd to think that way. One of our elders the other day reminded us of that, that it's, it's silly to be upset or to be mad at those who get sick. We wouldn't get mad at someone who, who catches the flu. We wouldn't be mad at someone who's diagnosed with cancer. It's just strange. It's absurd. So we're not, we're not upset at individuals. We're not mad at that. We need to push back against the stigma that's associated with getting sick. And there should be no shame in catching this disease. And our role, first and foremost, as Christians, as a church family, should, it be, pray, should be to pray for those who are sick. Right? That's why I've tried to keep the pandemic at the front of our minds during our pastoral prayer time, week in and week out. We should constantly be praying for the people in our community, in the United States, and of course around the world as well, who've been affected by this disease. 
And so with all that being said, to be honest with you, I am a little discouraged. Discouraged by the situation. Discouraged that we're once again here worshiping together, not in person, but online and on the radio. It's hard, even though I believe it's in my heart it's the right decision for us to make at the moment, it still is difficult. And so I need a bit of encouragement today. And maybe you do too. I'm sure that I'm not the only one that feels that way. And so we're going to take a break from the book of Proverbs for today and study one of the most important and familiar passages in all of Scripture, the 23rd Psalm. And so I want to invite you to have your Bibles open, as I said. And and for many of you, you may not even have to have your Bibles open because the words are that familiar to you. But I still encourage you to have, have it open in front of you as we read God's Word together. And we're going to begin right there in Psalm 23, verse 1. In fact, just the first part of verse 1, where, the, where David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. Now these words are so familiar to us, but they've, they've kind of lost the shock value that they should have, that we are saying the Lord is our shepherd. Let's break this down for just a little bit, and, I'll, and you'll see why. Right? The Lord is the personal name that God gave Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3. If you look at your Bibles, you see that Lord, that word there, is in all caps. And the reason for that is, is because in the Old Testament, the custom was to not reproduce that personal name of God, Yahweh, or I am who I am. And so the custom at that time was to substitute the title Lord in its place. And so you see throughout the Old Testament, over and over again, you see Lord in our English Bibles in all capital letters. Whenever you see that, the word that's in the original Hebrew language is actually the name Yahweh or Jehovah in some translations. And so, so what David is referencing here is, is the actual personal name of God. This is the God who created the heavens and the earth out of nothing. The God who made a covenant with his people on Mount Sinai. The God who parted the Red Sea in order for his people to escape the slavery in Egypt. And one, the God who led them through the wilderness for 40 years in the form of a pillar of smoke and fire. This is a God who is powerful, holy, and righteous. So much so that when the prophet Isaiah had a vision of God high and lifted up in the temple, his initial reaction was, woe is me. Right? I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Right? Isaiah's first reaction was, uh-oh, because of God's holiness and his righteousness and his justice. He realized that he had no business being in the presence of God because of his sinful nature. And I think sometimes we forget just how awe-inspiring God truly is. He is the creator and sustainer of the universe, as I mentioned. And he deserves to be, to be seen that way, to be, to be given the glory and the honor of one of that station deserves. Now compare that now. The Lord, this great and powerful and majestic God, is being called a shepherd. The shepherd was considered a very menial job in that day. It required a living with the sheep 24-7 because they required constant care and attention. A shepherd couldn't just leave the sheep alone. They would wander off, and so they needed the constant attention and guidance and protection of a shepherd. Otherwise, they would not be safe and they would wander off the right path. The responsibility of being a shepherd was often left to the lowest lowest person on the totem pole. It was often the youngest son in the family because they had no other choice. They were stuck with that job. And David himself would know that because he was that younger brother at one point. David was the shepherd who was left with the responsibility of caring for his father's flock. He spent years doing it, and he knew the hard work and care that the job required. So now think about the juxtaposition here now. There's, there's the Lord, I am who I am, the, the God of Israel, the creator and sustainer of the universe, is being compared to a job that nobody else wanted, right? Is, is being called a shepherd, which is considered menial, mundane work. Such a strange juxtaposition there. But it's amazing, isn't it? Because that's exactly who God is. 
He is, he is awe-inspiring. He is holy. He is righteous. But he's also a God who cares for his people, who watches over his people and protects them, not just from a, a cosmic standpoint, but from a personal standpoint as well. Think about the words of John chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 14. He writes, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's pretty profound, isn't it? That the God of the universe became like one of us to dwell among us, just like a good shepherd would with his sheep. And Jesus, of course, picked up on this in John chapter 10. It's a little bit of a longer passage, but I do want to read it for you now because, because you see Jesus himself picking up this, this connection between, between who he was as the Son of God and also his role as a good shepherd. So this is John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, not, excuse me, lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This is a command I've received from my father. It's a long passage there, but you can see what Jesus is getting at here. I have to believe in, in Jesus' mind. He had Psalm 23 there to, to, he was building off of what we see here in Psalm 23. Jesus himself is, is identifying himself as that good shepherd who cares for and watches over his flock. But I, and so, so we'll talk about more about what that means in a moment, but before we continue to talk about the shepherd, we have to also recognize and acknowledge what may seem obvious. If Jesus is the shepherd, if God is the shepherd, then we are the sheep. And a bit of clarification may be needed for this, right? Nowadays, the word sheep is sometimes used to describe people who just blindly follow another person without thought or consideration. But that's not the best description of a sheep. The problem with sheep isn't that they blindly follow the shepherd. If that were the case, a shepherd's job would be relatively easy. No, a shepherd's job is difficult precisely because sheep don't follow well. In fact, they all wander off in a moment's notice. Even if a shepherd leads them to green pastures and still waters, the sheep will eventually run off somewhere else unless they're carefully watched. And the Bible picks up on this metaphor throughout Scripture as well. Think of passages like Isaiah 53, 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, speaking of the suffering servant, the iniquity of us all. You see, sheep will literally walk off the edge of a cliff if they're not carefully watched. And so a shepherd's responsibility was to guard and to protect and to care for the sheep, not only from outside danger, but also from themselves. And if one of them did wander off, they'd go find it, rescue it, and bring it home. 
That's what the parable of the lost sheep is about in Luke chapter 15, 1 through 7. It's a, it's a familiar passage of, of, of the shepherd leaving behind the 99 sheep in order to go find the one who was lost, who needed rescued. And there's this interesting part. As I was preparing for the sermon, something uh, I read caught my attention. If you, if you go back and read that parable from Luke 15, when the shepherd finds the sheep, he doesn't just tell it to go home and, and lead it. It says that he picks it up and places it on his shoulders. Now think about that image for a moment, right? That's the shepherd literally carrying the sheep back to where it needs to be because he knows that if the sheep is left to its own devices, it's just going to wander off again. And so the good shepherd carries the sheep home and, and returns it to the flock. You see, we're like that sheep. We constantly need to be rescued. And not just once, but all of the time. We need continual guidance and care from the good shepherd. We do nothing to earn it, right? We don't meet him part way. No, he carries us home. See, God is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And it's because of that relationship, there's nothing that we lack. There may be some things that we want, And Maria rightfully pointed out that we don't always get what we want, right? There's a difference between what we need and what we want. So we don't always get what we want, but we'll always have what we need in Christ. Life will not always go the way we want or expect, but we certainly won't lack anything because our basic, most fundamental needs are met by our Good Shepherd. There's nothing we need apart from Him. So we see in these next few verses, in verses 2 and 3, we see that the shepherd guides us during the good times. It says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, and He restores my soul. Notice here that, that the Lord is the one who provides. It's the shepherd who's doing all of the work. It doesn't say, I lie down in green pastures. It doesn't say, I walk beside still waters. It doesn't say, I restore my own soul. No, God is the one who's doing all these things. It's the shepherd providing and leading each and every step of the way. Another thing I learned as I was reading uh, yesterday is, is and, and again, this is one of those things that might go unnoticed, but is really important here. In verse 2, he makes me lie down. Anybody, have, a parent of a young child who has to make their kid lie down for a nap? They don't always want to do that, right? The sheep are, are in the same way. Sheep will not lie down. They will not rest if they sense danger, if there's any sort of tension around, even if they're being bothered by flies or other insects, right? Sheep will not lie down. They will not rest in that way unless those things are resolved or had they have a sense of security. And so part of the shepherd's job was to care for the sheep in such a way that they could find rest when they needed it. The shepherd's job was to protect them from harm, to provide a safe space, to even protect them from other sheep, and to protect them from the flies and the fleas that they may find in the field. In other words, it was the care of the shepherd. It was the shepherd's presence with the flock that allowed the sheep to rest secure. It reminds me of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right? The rest we find in Christ, the, the peace that we have from God is not the absence of problems or the absence of conflict. It's finding rest and finding peace in the midst of those things because we know our good shepherd is watching over us and protecting us. In 1 Peter 5, 7, he encourages us to cast, he says, cast all your anxiety on him, speaking of Jesus, because he cares for you. So he makes us lie down. He, he provides the rest for our souls that we really need. And he also guides us along paths of righteousness for his namesake. Again, uh, again, the paths of righteousness may be that that's that old King James sneaking through in my in my sermon prep here. But if you look at the NIV or other more modern translations, they might say the right paths, which is uh, maybe just as uh, accurate for the analogy here. You see, paths of righteousness would be the right way to go. It's a, a righteous path would be the right path, the right direction. See, the shepherd knows the best route for the sheep to take. 
As I said before, sheep aren't all that smart. They wander. They get lost. And so the shepherd's job was to guide them in the right direction towards water, towards food, towards shelter, towards the things they really need and can't find for themselves. But here's the thing, right? The right path, the righteous path, isn't always the easy one. A shepherd may need to guide their flock through dangerous territory in order to get to the destination. They may may even have to travel through a deep, dark valley, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Just because the path is hard doesn't mean that it's wrong. And just because the path is easy doesn't make it the right one to take. You know, we've had to make some hard decisions as a church over the past six or seven months, how to handle the pandemic and how to navigate our way through it. And I know that we're not alone. You've had to make hard decisions as well as a family, as individuals. Uh, For some of you, whether it has to do with your job or your business, I know schools, of course, have had to make very difficult decisions as well. And so we've, none of us have had it easy these past few months. And we've had to make tough decisions. But just because we've had to make hard choices doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong. And so I want to encourage you, as, as God continues to guide you, to guide us through this time, remember that sometimes the right thing to do is also the hard thing to do. But when we make that choice, when we, when we decide to take the right path where God is leading us, it will always pay off in the end. Proverbs 3 from last week reminded us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So it's about relying on him and his guidance and his leading and not our own. And it's important here to notice also that that this guidance is for his namesake. God's provision and guidance are ultimately for his glory. Right? The difference between, have you guys ever heard the difference between uh, dogs and cats? I think I might have shared this with you before, but for the, since nobody's here to stop me, I'm going to share it with you again. Uh, there's, a, there's a saying out there about the difference between dogs and cats, right? You, you bring a dog into your home, you feed it, you give it, you give it shelter, you provide for its every need, and the dog looks at you as its owner and says, wow, you must be God, right? This is amazing. A cat, on the other hand, has a different perspective, you bring, it into its home, you bring it into your home, you feed it, you provide for it, you give it shelter, and the cat thinks to itself, wow, I must be God because they're treating me in this way. Right? There's, there's the fundamental difference between dogs and cats. And I share that with you today because I want to encourage you to be a dog and not a cat. Right? As God provides for you, as the good shepherd lays down his life for you, recognize that it's all so that we would turn to and worship him like he deserves. He's the one who deserves the glory. He's the one that deserves our praise. And it's all for his name's sake that these things happen. Even our salvation ultimately brings honor and glory to God. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 12 says, In him you are chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his purpose, excuse me, the purpose of his will, in order that we who are the first to put our hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. Notice there, like we are saved, right? We're predestined according to the plan, according to God's will, so that we might be for the praise of his glory. In other words, even our salvation, even even the fact that Christ laid down his life to bring us into the family of God is all ultimately so that God would be praised and his name would be revered. So we need to live in that way, recognize God's guidance in our lives. But God's guidance is not just for the good times. It's also for the times where we're walking through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, right, as, it's, as we often uh, are used to hearing it. It's not necessarily the wrong path. Notice this, right? God had just promised to guide us along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then immediately in verse 4, David recognizes that sometimes that right path is going to lead us through the darkest valley. Sometimes the right path that God leads us on is the valley of the shadow of death. Suffering and hardship do not indicate that you're outside of God's will. Just because you're facing a difficult time does not mean that God doesn't love you or doesn't care for you anymore. In fact, the opposite 
is often true. When we go through hard times, when we experience difficulty, it's because God, God loves us and he uses those things to bring us to himself, to draw us closer to him, to, to mold us and to shape us more and more into the image of Christ. In fact, when we, when we suffer, when we go through difficult times, God is not ashamed of us in those things. Hebrews chapter 11 is, is often called the, the chapter of faith or the hall of faith. And it's this, it's this great chapter describing these, these amazing figures throughout uh, salvation history from, uh, from the Genesis all the way through. These amazing people who acted on their faith. And in 13 through 16, the author says this, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things they pro- that the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I love that verse, verse 16, that God is not ashamed to be called their God. The author there was talking about Abraham and Sarah and the, and, and the longing they had. Right? They didn't always receive the things that were promised to them. Right? They, they only saw them from a distance, and they recognized that they're foreigners and strangers on this earth. In other words, things didn't always work out the way they expected them to. Things did not always go according to their wants and their desires, according to their plan. But even in that, right, God did not abandon them. In fact, it says that God is not ashamed to be called their God. That's pretty profound, right, that God is not ashamed to be called their God. God is not ashamed to be associated with these people who trusted God with all their heart. And so when we go through difficult times, we need to learn and follow their example to trust God in all things. Scripture never promises that life will be easy. In fact, it promises that we will face trouble. But it also promises that God will be with us no matter what our circumstances are. That's the promise that's repeated throughout Scripture. That God will not leave nor forsake his people. That he will be with them wherever they go. That his spirit is present in every corner of creation. That Jesus promises to be with his people to the very end of the age that even in the valley of the shadow of death, the good shepherd is there, guiding, protecting, and providing for his people. It says there in, in verse 4 that the reason David doesn't have to fear, the reason the sheep don't have to be afraid, even in those dark valleys, is because the shepherd is there by their side, and it's, and it's the shepherd's rod and staff that protect them. Now, the rod and the staff were tools that the shepherd would use in order to care for the sheep essential tools to the job. The rod was a weapon used to protect the sheep from external threats. Right? David, when David was preparing to fight Goliath, he talked about that, how the Lord had prepared him for that moment as through his job as a shepherd, that it was his job protecting the flock from wild animals that prepared him for that moment. Being a shepherd was not for the faint of heart. And so the rod protected the sheep from external threats, but it was the staff that was a tool used to rescue the sheep when they were in danger. Sheep would often fall into pits and maybe get turned over on their backs so they could not right themselves. And so the, the staff had a hook on it that was used to help pull the sheep out of those spots. A sheep would literally die within a matter of hours if left upside down. And so the shepherd's hook was used to rescue and pull the sheep back to safety. And so it's, it's the shepherd's rod, that protection from external threats, as well as the staff, the tool to rescue sheep in danger that the shepherd uses to protect the flock. So God's guidance is for the good times, but also for the darkest valley. And he closes this psalm by reminding us that we need to trust in the promises that God makes us. God's provision for this life as well as for the next See, no matter what roads we take, whether it's through good times besides still waters or whether we find ourselves at times in the valley of the shadow of death, we know that the good shepherd will ultimately lead us home. We will never be separated from the love of Christ 
the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what Romans 8 reminds us of, that there is nothing in all of creation, neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither height nor depth, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the promise we have, and that's the promise we see being fulfilled in Psalm 23, that no matter what path we take through life, that will ultimately lead us home, eternally home in Christ. And that's possible because, as John 10 said that we read earlier today, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. We can experience this hope because Jesus laid down his life for us. The promise is guaranteed. It is assured. And as much as 2020 has thrown us for a loop, God is still in control. We may have been caught off guard, but nothing surprises God. He is, control, he is in control even in the midst of a pandemic. And he will not abandon us. He's with us every step of the way, no matter what challenges you face, pandemic or otherwise, you face them with God at your side. And that doesn't mean your problems will go away. He doesn't remove you from the valley, but he does guide you through it. And wisdom, biblical wisdom, ultimately is about trusting the good shepherd. Know that the right path isn't always the easy one. And that's why it's all the more important, even in days like this, that we listen for the shepherd's voice, that we follow his leading, that we trust in his provision and his protection, and that we then follow him wherever he leads us. That means taking the information that we have, taking the knowledge we have from God's word and the resources that he's provided for us and doing the right thing, even when it's hard. When we do that, God will lead us through. Let's take a moment and let's pray together. Lord God, you are good. And you are the good shepherd who guides us on our good days and our bad days. Thank you, Lord, that even today you are still God. And you are guiding your people through the valley. So we thank you for that and we put our trust in you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you laid down your life for us. That you paid it all so that we may be with you eternally. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Again, if you are able, I invite you to sing with us our closing song, Jesus Paid It All. Just a reminder as we close our service today to keep keep up to tabs with us on uh, on Facebook um, church website. Uh, if you want to call into the office 
and see how things are going. You're always welcome to do that as well. Our plan is to be back here together again next week, worshiping the Lord in person. You can always continue to watch us on Facebook or continue to listen to us on the radio as well. Those ministries will, of course, continue too. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.